Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, let's see how that goes. Maybe we'll catch the tail end of that, but I kind of doubt it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't think we caught it. We're back on another Wednesday. Um, kind of an interesting Wednesday. So we had two basketball games last night, both won by the home team. Or I should say the home yeah. state team because uh, the Bucks were not the home team last night. But you know what I meant. Um, I don't know, had, man. You know, after, the, after the finals, they kind of own that arena. <laughs> <laughs> and it felt like the finals with Monty Williams complaining about the officiating. So, Oh, um, man, you went there right away. I was going to go there. <laughs> we will get back to that. We are going to get back to that. Yes, we will get back to that. Um, so then we had, you know, we – a lot of stuff with Aaron Rodgers today, and I know it's going to come up, and I know people are going to ask him the question or ask questions in the comments. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say right away, um, Friday we will talk more about it when we do our Packers show. It's going to be the first of our draft series over the next six weeks. Uh, we will talk more about it. Um, basically, today is just the initial thoughts, just preparing that we are going to be moving on from Aaron Rodgers. That's um, just the um, just the reality of the situation. Um, we got Chunk from the Goonies, who's uh, commenting on the show here. So, um, oh, sorry, that's Tim. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You started it. Um, so we're going to talk more about that on Friday. We're also going to review the 2020 draft class and give our top 20 wide receiver rankings. So each one of us will be doing that on Friday night. Jake, myself, Simon, and Bryant are joining us for draft prep this year. So we're spreading it out across six weeks, not just two or three. Uh, with with doing the Friday shows this year. So we're spreading them out more and bringing a couple more guys on to talk about some wide receivers. So we're going to get a lot of wide receivers talked about on Friday night, and we're each going to talk about Aaron Rodgers and what we feel relating to him and as far as going forward. Uh, We also have a special guest that's going to be joining us for the 2020 draft review, uh, just that portion of it. But, yeah, tune in right away to, to hear his thoughts. He's a pretty smart guy. He has been on the show once before. He was on last year after the draft when we were doing our uh, our draft recap. Yep. So, if you know, you know who it is. You know, it's not you know, it's not a player or anything, but it's a it's a guy who knows what he's talking about. He knows his shit, man. Yeah. Is there anything you want to say, just real quick, before we jump into some Brewers? Um. No, I am actually going to put all my energy into Friday's episode, and I'll have something ready for you guys. I've already yeah. started collecting my thoughts with the news, but um, yeah, I'll wait till Friday. So tune in on Friday, eight PM. Be there, yes. be square. And you don't want to be square unless you have square pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's it's one of those things where there's so much conjecture and speculation around it that we really don't feel the need to be the first ones to put our opinions out there. Yeah. We would rather thoughts, you know, more cohesively together and take some time to actually think about it and think what we think for the future and the past as well. Uh, we will for sure do an Aaron Rodgers centered episode some point this spring or summer that will for sure happen. 
um, and you know, an Aaron Rodgers bonus episode, maybe even. Um, yeah. So we'll for sure talk more about the subject, but we don't feel the need to um, just start throwing thoughts out there or anything like that. Just just to be the first ones to talk about it because everybody's been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. So we're going to gather our thoughts and we'll present them on Friday when we're talking more specifically about the Packers. Today, we're going to start with predicting the 26-man roster for the opening day for the Brewers. That is 15 days away. Can you believe it's 15 days to baseball season already? Oh, uh, you know, I would have been, but then I watched the news and I saw the weather starting next week, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's coming, baby. If you, if you don't know, then you should know because the weather is about to get much better. I know that we have another storm system coming, but the weather is about to be really nice next week. And, yes, I am very excited Good. for Brewers baseball because it means I don't have to I, wear pants in my house anymore. <laughs> I still have to wear pants, Jake. You might not have to wear full legs. Shorts. Shorts. <laughs> you can't just be walking around out here freeballing. Um, I don't know. I spent like an hour and a half cleaning off trucks at work today, just cleaning snow off them. Wasn't a fan of that. So I'm, I'm ready for the snow to be gone. I'm tired of moving it around. My back is tired of it as well. Hell yeah, man. All right. So let's let's talk about some baseball players, get, some, get the feelings of spring coming now that baseball season is right around the corner, barely two weeks away, two weeks from tomorrow. Um, so... We are going to predict the 26-man rosters. We are going to start with the starters, and then we're going to talk bullpen, and then we're going to go catchers, infield, outfield. So how do you want to do it? Do you want to go one at a time, or do you want to give me your your starting rotation and I'll give you mine, or how do you want to do that? Why don't you start first? I always start. I want you to start that's first. True. You start your, I think you that's start like the – I feel like that's you like start. the Tony Reale in me. That's like, all right, you know, I'm you know, hosting. I, I know, like I know, that's, but – but I want you to have the floor first. Um, I'll feed off of you today. Uh, you give me your starting rotation, and then I'll I'll go off of that. I think we're going to be pretty okay. similar. This. So I know we talked a little bit before the show, and um, oh, Bill is back. He said, "Hey, fellas, I'm back." Total my car, so I was out for a while. What did I miss? Um, nothing much. You know, just a famous football player talking about playing for somebody else. Nothing big. Yeah. <laughs> Not a big deal, though. Not a big deal. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about it on Friday, Bill. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show, you and I did, and you told me that you have a five-man rotation. I have a six-man rotation, and this is kind of a Craig Council staple that we've had of the mm-hmm. six-man rotation, and we've seen it work well um, you know, in previous seasons to keep guys healthy. Obviously, you can't you know, do it perfectly because we dealt with Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta having some injuries last year. Yep. But – I have a six-man rotation, obviously led by Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, the big three. After that, Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, and Wade Miley, I believe, is going to be the sixth starter for the Brewers, at least until Aaron Ashby is healthy. He was flowing, throwing sorry, throwing from flat ground today. Um, they hope to have him working a little bit more in a couple days. So hopefully he only misses a couple weeks of the season. But I do think with all of the starting pitching experience the Brewers have, I do think Wade Miley is going to be the Brewers' sixth starter to start the season. So I have six-man rotation, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Lauer, Hauser, and Wade Miley. Okay, okay. Um, 
so my five starters, I have all of them except Miley. So I have Burns, Woody, Peralta, obviously. That's pretty obvious. Uh, Eric Lauer coming off a very good year last year. Hauser got knocked around a little bit, but he's still a quality starter uh, by MLB standards. So that's my five. Burns, Woody, Peralta, Hauser, and Lauer. All right. I like it. I mean, it's pretty simple. Personally, I think when Aaron Ashby comes back, I think it's possible that Adrian Hauser is the one that moves to some spot starts and bullpen stuff. But mm-hmm. we could also see some pairing of guys together. Like when Aaron Ashby comes back, he's not going to be pitching five, six, seven innings. He's probably going to pitch two, maybe three. Right. Um, so he'll be on a pitch count for sure when he comes back. So I have, you said you have eight now um, bullpen pitchers, and I have seven. So um, you have 13 pitchers, right? Or do you have 12? I have, I have 13. I was just making okay, sure I was counting. I was like, I was like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for bullpen pitchers, Devin Williams is the closer. Um, Matt Bush yep. probably going to be the setup man. He's got the stuff for it. Um, despite him having a little bit of a rough end to the season, he's got electrics. That's there's no there's no denying that. Mm-hmm. Hobie Milner, my underrated performer pick, Peter Strzelecki. Um, it's looking potentially like Jake Cousins might make the opening day roster. I'm a big fan of Jake Cousins. His um, he's got some stuff that moves, and it's just awesome to watch. And then for the last two, I'm going to go with Gus Varland and Javi Guerra. Originally, when I was doing my bullpen predictions, this was a or so I had Alex Claudio and Ethan Small both making the bullpen because they're left-handed. Uh, right now, it looks like it's possible that the only left-handed in the bullpen is going to be Hobie Milner. It's looking possible. So that's what I went with. Devin Williams, Matt Bush, Hobie Milner, Peter Lecky, Jake Cousins, Gus Varland, and Javi Guerra for the bullpen. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I also have Matt Bush. Um, I have Wade Miley in the bullpen but I do think that he will make spot starts as the sixth starter. As you said, Council likes to do that every once in a while. Uh, Devin Williams, Hobie Milner, uh, Justin Wilson. Um, I'm not going to lie. I picked him a little bit because he has a cool-ass nickname, Jay Willie. I mean, it just makes sense. That would be three Willies. Three Willies. Man, come That's on. true. Um, I do have Ethan Small in there for the reason that you said. Um, another lefty with Hobie Milner. Um, and then I have Strzelski, and I do have Jake Cousins making it. Um, I know that I like you're a big fan of him. I'm also a big fan of him. Uh, we we've, we joked a couple of years ago that we have the better better cousins, um, yeah. better than Minnesota. So uh, that's why I have uh, Bush, Miley, Williams, Strzelski, Hobie Milner, Justin Wilson, Ethan Small, and Jake Cousins. So I got to break a little bit of news to you. Um, first, Justin Wilson is coming off Tommy John. So he's going to be out probably for the first half of the season. Um, the other one is Ethan Small was optioned to AAA. So Ethan Small won't be in the bullpen. I wanted that other lefty, and I was big on it before. I know. I know. And I wanted Alex. I really thought Alex Claudio was going to make the roster for that reason, but he got sent to AAA as well. So um, they're not going to be on the opening day roster. Is this an inside um, joke? Um, almost like he's the probably Rockets beating the reference to somebody else. Come. Oh, okay. Hmm. I don't I, think that's I, a I joke. That actually happened in real life. I know, but it was funny to me. Kind of like joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So catchers, I'm pretty sure we both have Contreras and Caratini. Just rolling with two catchers. Yeah. It, uh, that one was the easiest one. I won't lie to you. 
Yes, that was. That was the easiest position to predict. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I know what's happening there. <laughs> All right, so let's work on some infielders. Now, I have a bunch of infielders, and before we switch to outfielders, I'll, I'll say a couple things with this. Brian Anderson, Bryce Tarang, Willie Adonis, Luis Urias, Rowdy Telez, Owen Miller, and Mike Brasso. The notable omission from my list being Keston Hira. I think it's very possible that he gets DFA'd by the Brewers unless they find somebody that's willing to to give up just something to get him a change of scenery. Um, I think the way that Owen Miller and Brian Anderson have played, as well as Mike Rosso in spring training, has positioned them well for roster spots. And the opposite is true for Keston Hero. Uh, he's not doing well in spring training. We saw him flounder last year. His defense isn't a redeeming quality for him. And I think it's it's unfortunate, but I think it's uh, it's time to part with Keston Hira um, and maybe get him a change of scenery where he can maybe succeed a little better. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the thing about Keston Hira is we had to stick up for him when fans were going at him when he was dealing with a lot yeah. off the field issues. So um, yeah. I did feel bad for him then, but his batting hasn't got better, hasn't recovered since then, I guess I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, infielders, Telez, Terang, Owen Miller – uh, multiple position player, Urias, multiple position player, uh, Brian Anderson, Brousseau, again, multiple positions. And then at shortstop, we have Willie Adamas, who in our era, because we don't compare eras, it's really stupid. Willie Adamas in our era, hopefully he gets re-signed, could end up being the best shortstop that we ever see for the Milwaukee Brewers. If you combine like, his arm strength, uh, his mm-hmm. power, I mean, uh, every once in a while he does flash the leather on defense as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he if he hit for a better average, he would be an uh, an all star all the time, in my opinion. He well, and we'd be honestly, we'd be at the position where when the Brewers acquired him in 2021, and he finished, I think I want to say like fifth in NL MVP. That, that's that's if if Willie Adonis is anything over anything, and all stays the same, he'll be an entity. He might not win it, probably won't win it, but he'll be a candidate. I agree. Um, well, before we switch to outfield, a couple things I want to mention. One, Brian Anderson plays some right field, so there is some potential you know, options there. And Owen Miller has played a handful of games in center field during spring training, so I uh, potentially play some center field. So Owen Miller, Brian Anderson, both potentially some infield, outfield utility players. So I wanted to throw that out I there. Like it. Um, I like it. Also, for leaving Keston here off the roster, I realize that it presents a potential need for a backup first baseman to Rowdy Telez. Um, Rowdy Telez is probably going to be playing 140 to 150 games at first base, knock on wood, barring injury, that you know we're not going to be in a position where we need a guy who's going to be able to play first base all the time. But Owen Miller did start 80 games at first base last year for the Cleveland Indians. So in this scenario where I don't have Keston Hero making the roster, Owen Miller is your backup first baseman as he played 80 games there last season. Jesus Christ, Owen Miller plays fucking everywhere, dude. Uh, He really does. He really does. And he's from Wisconsin, so I really want to see him make the opening day roster. Plus, he's tearing up spring training. So I'm I'm rooting for Owen Miller. He's the new Bill Hall, dude. He's the new Bill Right, Hall. dude, yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally on board with that. Me too. <laughs> All right, so uh, outfield, I have 
Christian Yelich, Garrett Mitchell, Tyler Naquin, and Jesse Winker. Um, a little thin, but the depth is injured and upcoming. Um, I'll let you say what you're going to say, but Tyrone Taylor isn't going to be ready potentially until May. Um, and he's another guy who is getting into territory where it's like, hey, maybe we need to get this guy a change of scenery where he can succeed um, you know, outside of Milwaukee. So that's where I'm at with Tyrone Taylor. And you know how I feel about certain other guys coming up. So I will let you give me your upfielders. So, obviously, Yelich, he's paid too much to not make the opening your roster. Um, Jesse Winker, uh, probably the biggest offseason signing outside of Contreras. Um, uh, Garrett Mitchell, obviously. And then uh, the man, Sal Frelick. I have him make an opening day roster. Uh, Brewers are going to make a splash, and they're going to get closer to your dream. I have two of the players from the minors making the opening day roster. I would love it if Sal Frelick made the roster. I would be super happy for him, and I'd be like, I cannot wait to watch him. I know. Like, as soon as I see that he's in the lineup, like, I'm canceling my plans that day, and I will be watching the Brewers. <laughs> I if it happens on a Wednesday, if it happens on a Wednesday, I don't care. We're moving the show. We're going to do it before or after the Brewer game. I don't give a shit. We're watching Sal Frelick's debut. Watch it with us. I don't give a shit. We'll do the show during the Brewer game, and we'll watch it all together. I'll pop the other laptop up right here. We'll We'll watch the Brewers. We'll be good to go, man. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yes. I, we'll I be watching Sal Frelick's debut. Okay. I hear you. All right. So on the subject of outfielders, um, did you – I heard this on the radio yesterday. There are executives and front office people who believe that Garrett Mitchell is the fastest player in baseball. I'm telling you, bro, he not, moves. Not just on the Brewers, the fastest player in baseball. I can see it. He's got fucking wheels, man. That's why I want him at the leadoff oh, spot. Oh, man. I, and, I, and I know why you have him in the leadoff spot, and I love it. If it happens, totally on board with it. But I, I really like the idea of doing Gary Mitchell at nine and Yelich at one and having those guys batting together. I, I'm absolutely on board with that, too. Is He just needs to get on base because he's dangerous. Yeah, and he's a guy where, you know, if Christian Yelich rips one down the right field line, like he's scoring from first base every single time. Yeah, and the Brewers are going to need that. Uh, plain and simple, the run production, the r- runners in scoring position was down last year. So um, with with the, the no shift, I think it's going to be, gonna be mm-hmm. nice, bro. I think Yelich is going to have a bounce back year. I think the same thing for Rowdy Telez's batting average as well. Uh, those who constantly come up when, talk, when they're talking about the new shift rule uh, as mm-hmm. beneficiaries. All right. Well, that's our 26-man rosters. We'll see who ends up finally on the roster. We got uh, two weeks from tomorrow is opening day for the Brewers. So we'll see how many Jake and I get right. We'll post those probably either tomorrow or Friday and get some thoughts on them from the fans. So yep. is there anything else you want to say Brewers-related before we start talking basketball? <sighs> No, just just bring some of that Arizona weather, man. (laughs) True. All right. Let's switch to basketball. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about last Wednesday's game. Uh, I I have feelings about this game, and they are not the fan base's predominant uh, feelings on this. So what what stood out to you from the Ohio State game? 
honestly, I want to talk more about context than I do about specifics, but let's throw it to you from Ohio State, and then we'll talk. Okay, so I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm not going to rag on the Badgers because that's not our style, right? Yeah. And they say that you don't win the game in the first half, but you can lose the game, right? It's kind of like first mm-hmm. quarter, but, you know, in, in college men's basketball, they do halves. So right. in the first half, the Badgers had five turnovers. That's half of what they had for the entire game. They did end up with 15 offensive boards. So I want to point that out for the entire game. That is mm-hmm. a positive. That is something yep. that I talked about that we want to go in, you know, to the game against Bradley and into the future even more. Okay, so this is where I think – I personally think the game was lost in the first half. Ohio State missed eight shots in the first half. That's it, just eight. The Badgers had 17 misses. Seven of those 17 were from three. We almost missed as many three-pointers as they missed shots. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. One, this is a make-or-miss league. Okay, I mean, I mean, plain and simple, college basketball, high school basketball, my ten, my nine, ten-year-old basketball is a make or miss. The other thing that I'm going to say, it's a big man's league. Okay, big men dominate. Little guys, when they dominate, it's because they can shoot really, really good, or they're really, really, really fast. My stepson is an example of that because he's just super fast. He's a tiny little lightning bolt. The Badgers didn't dominate inside like they should have. They didn't capitalize on on opportunities like they should have because they were getting good shots, and they were a little sloppy with the ball. Ohio State came out. They punched us in the mouth. The Badgers didn't respond. It is what it is. Um, It's a loss. Uh, uh, Hang on. I I want to read this. Andrew Glazer said, as a Marquette fan, I am really enjoying this Badger basketball NIT analysis. First of all, fuck you. Thank you for supporting the show. <laughs> um, Tyler's more of a Marquette guy than me. I've never been a Marquette guy. Um, a little part of me, because I love Wisconsin so much, will cheer for Marquette because I want Wisconsin to be put to be on the map in the center of attention at all times. But I am a Badger fan through and through. I'm a Badger. And people always look at me and they're like, why can't you support Marquette? Well, let me just give you this example. Do you see USC fans cheering for UCLA? No. Because they're a goddamn rivalry. I don't like Marquette. They're a rival with the Badgers. That's how it works. I don't, we are not know. Californians. We hate LA. We say fuck LA on the regular. No, 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 I get it. I get don't it. put a, don't let me in with fucking UCLA and USC oh, fans. Oh, That's oh, Isaac oh. and him loving the Lakers and the Clippers. <laughs> I just not even hear anymore. I don't think poor Isaac. <laughs> um I don't know. It, it goes for, for all cities, man. Like Chicago, the White Sox fans, they don't like Cubs. And I know we don't like Chicago, but, like, I don't cheer for my rival. Like I said, a little part of me, because I want Wisconsin to do good, I'll cheer for them from a distance. I'm not going to go like, oh, yay, Marquette. But I'm going to be like, secretly, I'm going to be like, yeah, nice. Marquette's putting Wisconsin on the map. I like that. So, for me, I I was brought up being a fan of both. That's, that's how it was for me. I was – I grew up a fan of both. For for the comparison of say the White Sox and Cubs, those are two different divisions. So that's you know it's a scenario where you could cheer for both, and you don't have a favorite when they play head to head. That's fair. 
Um, I'm very conflicted when Wisconsin and Marquette play because I am a fan of both. So I'm, I'm, it's tough when that happens. Usually I would prefer whoever needs the win more or, you know, whatever the scenario is. Um, so I guess this year I was glad Marquette lost to Wisconsin, but it didn't eventually end up helping. But um, I'm definitely cheering for both. Um, Shauna said, you guys are the best. We appreciate that. It feels good. Um, and she said, I'm every Big Ten team but Sparty. I don't know. Are you? I hope you're not a fan of Iowa and the clown show that Fran McCaffrey's running over there. I kind of know why she put out Michigan State like that. Like, what did Michigan State do to you? You date a guy back in the day, and he was a <laughs> Michigan State guy, and you're just like, that's it. They're done forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, Marquette, I hope they do well. Wisconsin, I hope they do well. So, as far as the Badgers go in the first half, and I'll let you talk about the second half in the second, just because I want to keep them separate because they were so different. Um, first half, the thing that stood out to me was the Badgers had their confidence shaken, and what it did was it made them second-guess themselves. It invited doubt, and it then made guys play out of character. That's what stood out to me in the first half. Once you get a guy doubting, the things that he's good at and start playing out of character, like Connor Asijan, for example, not taking a three when he's open, that's that's confidence shaken, that's doubt invited, and then they're playing out of character. So that's what stood out to me in the first half outside of, like you said, the missed shots, which the Badgers were all of seven on threes and Ohio State was four of six. So that's what stood out to me for that. Um, what about the second half? Well, they were better in the second half. I'm really glad about part of the stuff that you said there because it's going to go into what I what I say about Bradley. So, awesome job. Again, people don't understand that, like, Tyler and I live totally different lives. We live, like, an hour away from each other, and we plan little parts of the show, but we do not plan what we're going to say. So yeah, like, we don't, yeah, we don't tell each other what's in our notes. I get, like, I get a little excited because I'm like, oh, that's, that's going to work. Um, the Badgers were better in the second half, obviously. That goes without saying. You could literally just check the box score and tell that. Um, yep. But they got inside a little bit more. They were more aggressive. Um, like you said, they got knocked out of character. They looked like Wisconsin, more Wisconsin in the second half, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, obviously, they came up short. But at the end of the day, I've said this since God, God knows when. I'm 100 years old now. But <laughs> I've said this for a long time. I can understand losing – but I never, ever want to see any of my teams quit. That is where I draw the line. As a competitor, I I just have that competitive fire, man. And I know you do, too. Um, you're still yep. playing basketball to this day. Um, and I just have that competitive fire. And when I'm watching my sports, it is with so much freaking passion that it's coming out of every pore in my body. And I just cannot stand when teams quit. I cannot stand when teams don't show heart. So for the Badgers to keep fighting and keep playing, and like I understand, like they're kids, so they're gonna do that, and they're the Big Ten tournament. I respect the hell out of that. I really do, and I love the heart they showed. And the same could be said about all my teams. So as long as they show heart and they fight, I'm happy, honestly. So it starts with Tyler Wall. When you're talking about the the comeback, the heart, the the work ethic, Tyler Wall worked his ass off in the second half of this game. Mm. Tyler Wall, like, damn near single-handedly carried the Badgers in this comeback. 
And the Badgers went on a 9-0 run when they were down by 26. Then Ohio State went on a 5-0 run. And then the Badgers went on an 11-0 run. Um, actually, um, most of it was scored by Tyler Wall. They get to um, three and a half minutes without points. Ohio State goes seven minutes without points. Chucky Hepburn, three, cut the lead to single digits. Tyler Wall banked in a three that cut the lead to five. The Badgers went on a 19-2 run over the course of nine minutes. And here's the thing. This is, this is arguably my biggest takeaway from the game, is you can be pissed that they lost. I don't care what you say about Greg Gard, the players, Chucky, uh, Connor. I don't care what you say about any of the players. You cannot take away the fun that happened over those nine minutes where they went from down 26 to down five. Yeah. Fuck the end result. You cannot take those nine minutes away. You cannot tell me as a Badger fan that even if you're pissed at the end result, that you are not having fun for those nine minutes where you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Are they coming back? Are they coming back? Chucky hits a three. Like, oh, shit. It's down to single digit. Tyler Wall banks in a three. It's like, oh, my God. Like, they're going to mount this amazing comeback. Regardless of the end result, that fun that you had over those nine minutes of game times cannot be taken away from you. That's that's point. seriously that's what stands out to me from this. That's seriously my biggest takeaway is how much fun I was having when they were mounting their comeback. I'm with it. I'm 100 with that, man. <laughs> it. I mean, it, the comeback fell short. And we were watching Selection Sunday, hoping to see the Badgers kind of get lucky and make it in. And they didn't. And it is what it is. It's one of those things where we went through the entire season kind of just waiting to see. Like, And, and I'm still going to stand by the fact of, like, cool that you picked the Badgers to not make it. Cool you said their season was over in January. Mm-hmm. Great for you. I'm glad you were a miserable person for the last month and a half. But the fact was... You can predict that they weren't going to make it, but they weren't out until their name wasn't called. And going into the NT, and I'm glad the announcer brought this up during the show, or during the show, during the during the game last night, about the NIT being an exercise in mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Going in two days from the disappointment of missing the March Madness tournament to then flipping and being like, we have our own tournament to win. Is, is a tough thing. And I present the same challenge to fans. I present the exact same challenge of going from the disappointment of missing March Madness to, you know, instead of just doing the, well, it's just the NAT, it doesn't count, like whatever. I don't fucking care what you say about it. We get to watch more Badger games. Yeah. That's good enough for me. Obviously, it doesn't mean that we are settling for this performance. But we are here now. Stop bitching about missing March Madness. That ship has sailed. Move the fuck on. We are in the NIT. We have a win. And now we get to watch another Badger game. So let's focus on the win and move forward. Mm -hmm. So what stood out to you from the late 8.30 local time tip against Bradley last night? Bro, 
<laughs> I am in rough shape right now after those damn games. Oh, I know. Man. I was tired as shit all day. Oh my god. I was just I was dragging ass. I'm sleeping. <laughs> but it was it was a long Wednesday and then it became an emotional Wednesday and I'm all over the place right now. But what I'm gonna tell you is the Wisconsin Badgers look good last night. <laughs> and especially one big seven footer that if nothing else, and you talked about being out of character and low confidence, if n- absolutely nothing else, this NIT could be a confidence boost to this team. Sure. It could, it could, show, think Steve, of that. It could show Stephen Crowell that he can ball. And right away, this is the f- absolute first thing I noticed. He gets a post up from the left block. He scores from the left block. The next possession, he gets a post up from the right block. And he scores from the right block. So what that tells me is this man can score from any spot. And obviously he had a bunch of three-pointers last night as well. So for him, and the thing that was most disappointing and the thing that I was looking forward to with him is I wanted him to be able to stretch the floor like the classic Wisconsin big, right? So for me, that's a little bit unfair to expect something out of him that maybe not be in his game. We've seen it a little bit. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the volume of threes that like a Brian Butch used to shoot and all that. Blah blah blah. John Lore. Like Grzewitz. We we can go down the line, right? Yeah. But if he gets on fire and he likes his matchups and he's and he's searching for his shot, and if Chucky Hepburn takes a little step up in that playmaking area, and Connor Sejan is playing with high confidence as as he looks like the guy that kind of carries himself that way, mm-hmm. this Badgers team could absolutely win this nit. Oh yeah. And there's no shame in winning the NIT. No. In my opinion. Um, I mean, we get excited when they win, like the Maui Invitational and stuff like that. Like you're playing with a select group of teams. Right, right. It's so similar. I'll say the one thing that I do want. If I could be, and you're going to want the same exact thing, if I could be selfish. I know what I you want, want. I want the championship versus Michigan. Yeah. I, I want that. I want us to be holding that trophy over <laughs> Hunter Dickinson's head. And I want him to to look so disappointed and sad. And this is such an asshole thing for me to say, but this is truly how I feel. And I feel like he deserves it after flailing and kicking and stomping on people. Yeah. I hope he cries. And I hope it fucking hurts. <laughs> I hope it hurts so bad. You want him to be hurt, not injured? <laughs> I don't want him to be injured. I never wish injury, man. Because, right. Because we've all been injured, and that shit sucks. That's like – Real life, like I'm not trying to like change your real life. Yeah, but if you could just be sad for even 30 <laughs> minutes, I want you to be so sad that you lost to the Wisconsin Badgers in the NIT. I uh, really want awesome. that. Um, I'll get back to the game now. The Badgers just the Badgers were just better. Uh, Bradley was tough for for a little while there in the first half, but yeah, um, the Badgers just at the end of the day. They were the more aggressive team. You can see that by looking at the free throw numbers. Um, they actually rebounded pretty well, even though they lost the rebounding battle. Um, the sh- the three-point shooting was pretty similar. The shooting overall was pretty similar. The Badgers are just the more talented team, in my opinion. So, um, if nothing else, the Badgers move on. Who, who the heck were they? They were going to play Villanova or – I forgot who it was. But Villanova lost. I saw that, right? Yes, they did. They lost to Liberty. Yep. Oh, Liberty. That's who it was. Yep. Uh, yeah, we got to play Liberty next. So that'll be uh, – that should be another game that we can win. 
Okay, yeah, and that game is going to be Sunday. Um, so that's when that game is taking place. Um, so for me with Bradley, obviously we saw Stephen Crowell just go absolutely nuts. And I wanted to bring up two other players that don't get a lot of positive things said about them, Kamari McGee and Carter Gilmore. And it's not because people are only negative about them, but they're just not talked about as much. Seeing both of them being aggressive, I like it. I like seeing those guys being aggressive. Um, To your point, with the Badgers rebounding well, they were doing very well in the offensive rebounds in the first half. Actually, the entire game, really. getting themselves some second possessions. Bradley pulled the game to 15 and 11. So, and the announcers are like, Oh, it's on a four point game. And you know, they're Bradley's closing the gap. And then the Badgers rattle off an 11 to two run to double up Bradley 26, 13. Stephen Crowell had 11 of the first 26 points. Ooh. Then Tyler wall went to the locker room. During that time, the Badgers missed some shots at the rim and Bradley cut the lead back down to three points. And then Tyler Wall came back. Crowell dominated the rest of the first half, finished with 19 points in the first half. That was the most points in any first half this entire season. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah I will take um, it. We had games where the Badgers were barely over 19 points as a team, much less from one player. Yeah, true that. <clears throat> Second half. I had to give Max Klesman a little bit of credit. They posted Max Klesman up a few times to start the second half. He's got some good footwork around the rim. And, like, I've even posted a reel of Max Klesman. This was during the Michigan game of him using some good footwork to get himself a layup. And still watching it, it's like that's really an underrated aspect of his game. He's got some pretty decent post footwork. Mm-hmm. Um, Carter Gilmore and Stephen Crowell ran a pick and roll. And it ended with Stephen Crowell getting a dunk. And then next play, um, Max Klesman cuts to the basket, and Carter Gilmore finds him for a layup. Carter Gilmore had two assists that came in back-to-back possessions that really deal for Wisconsin. Um, Bob said the Badgers and the Panthers will play teams from the Atlantic Sun Conference. Um, that's not the Atlantic Sun Conference. That's uh, something. I don't remember what the A stands for. I'm drawing a blank now. Badgers play Liberty. Uh, Milwaukee plays Stetson Hatters in the CBI. What a name. Um, the Badgers will be playing Liberty on Sunday. So we don't know exactly the time yet, but we do know it's going to be on Sunday. It's either going to be 11, 2.30, or 6, I believe, the NIT slots are scheduled. I vote for 2.30. I'd be okay with 2.30 or 6. I don't want to play at 11. It seems like early morning games like that are never – Good for yeah. basketball. I just like 2.30 because I can give my daughter lunch and bother her for an hour, so I get a lot of game time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the second half. Stephen Crowell just going absolutely crazy. Carter Gilmore working his ass off on defense. Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall had a drive. He caught it about 15 feet away from the basket. He drives baseline, draws an extra defender, spins back towards the free throw line and drops another pass to Steven Crowell, who throws on a two handed dunk and gets fouled. That puts him over 30 points. Tyler wall just absolutely undresses the defense, hits Steven Crowell, gets a dunk and, and one, it puts him at 31 points. The free throw gave him 32. (laughs) 
Um, offense went a little cold when Stephen Crowell was on the on the bench getting some rest. You could tell he was getting tired. The Badgers were still working hard on defense, though. Um, Connor Seijan finally got a three to go later in the second half, and the Badgers just just really put a wire to wire game together. Um, so just an encouraging thing to see the Badgers just play a good complete game, including being 23 for 28 from the free throw line. Yeah. That's, that was a big takeaway for me as well was, was free throws. Mm -hmm. Um, It's good to see them going in. It hurt them a little bit in the Ohio state game. So it was good to see them kind of bounce back there. So as I mentioned, the Badgers and Liberty, that game will be Sunday. Um, We'll, if you stay tuned with us, we'll post it as soon as it's announced what time, uh, we will post it on the page. So stick around with that. Is there anything else you want to say badge related? Um, no, no, not yet. No. Okay. So staying in basketball, switching to the NBA, give me your Bucks power pair and underrated performer. All right, here we go. Here we go. So power pair, I had him in there last week. He had to stay again. He has been so impressive this year, and I feel like he is consistently getting better as the season goes on, which is a scary sight for the NBA. Um, the first man is the man in the middle, Brooke Lopez. Uh, no, I do not have Giannis, actually. Um, I have Brooke Lopez. Um, he averaged 21 Maybe. points, uh, <clears throat> 8.75 rebounds, almost 21 and 9. Uh, two assists, actually, and he averaged 4.5 blocks. Uh, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Um, <laughs> he shot 58% from the field, 38% from three, which is obviously mm-hmm. a big part of his game. He shot 38% from three and averaged four and a half blocks. He he ended the week at a plus 20. He he is becoming, because now that Drew made the all-star game, Brooke might have replaced him as the most underrated player in the league. I'm being dead serious right now. I think it just, was. Just for this season. And we'll talk about the we'll talk about everything that happened during that game. But after the Kings game, Mike Brown said that Brooke Lopez is like the glue that holds the Bucks team together because he's that important to the team. Oh, he said he's, you know, he's like Giannis is Giannis, but he's like Brooke is the guy that anchors the team. One hundred percent, dude. We've talked about it a million times. The guards all talk about, oh, we we know Brooks back there. We know Brooks back there. We funnel everything funnel, to Brooke. Funnel, funnel everything Brooke. to Brooke. Yep. And. Then on top of that, now he's becoming a 20-point game scorer. He missed he missed 20 points in one game by one point. Otherwise, he scored 20 in every game. And he had double-digit rebounds in two out of the four games. And then he had nine blocks in one of the games. Come on, man. The guy is the guy is ridiculous. Um, my second one actually is Middleton. So Andrew is right on that one. Um, he averaged 20, uh, four rebounds, seven assists. He was fantastic um, against the Kings. Um, he shot 44% for, for the week, 56% behind the three point line. He, he ended the week as a plus two. And then my underrated performer, I had him last week. I don't feel like, and the only reason I did not back to back is I don't feel like Bucks fans actually understand how good Joe Ingles is. I love the pick. This Bucks team, and we're going to get into it after the last game. After the Suns game, I want us to do a little bit of like we're just going to have some dialogue, right? Just straight mm-hmm. up, just dialogue, talk about the Bucks. But Joe Ingles yeah. averaged nine points, 5.3 rebounds, six assists. He shot 47% from the field, 
53% from, from behind the three-point line. And the fucking pace he plays at is just – it's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen. The guy is slower than molasses, but he just does not let that bother him. Yeah. And his freaking basketball IQ was off the goddamn Dude, it's insane. And I'm just – I am so happy. This might be the best team that I ever see in my entire life for the Milwaukee Bucks. It might be. It very well could be. I I have some thoughts, Joe Engel specific, when we get into, like you said, the the Sun specific game. Um, Bob's asked if, remember when I asked they would sweep the road swing, most got the numbers right, just the wrong teams. Jake and I both predicted two and one. We both predicted three and one weeks to beat the Nets and lose one of the West Coast games, but neither of us thought it would be the Warriors. We both thought it would be one of the back-to-backs, but uh, Andrew said Giannis and Middleton for his picks. Jake has Middleton covered. I have Giannis covered. I couldn't leave him off the list. Despite him in only playing two of the four games, but for him to come back after three games with a wrist injury and drop 46 and 36, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) I was like, like questioning if he's going to be rusty when he comes back and he just casually drops 46 fucking points against the highest scoring team in the NBA. And he started a brawl, so he's got that going for him. He's yeah, he totally started it. He was totally trying to dribble off Trey Lyle's foot, which clearly hurt his feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so, in addition to averaging forty-one points in the two games, he also averaged eleven and a half rebounds and six assists over the two games. Fifty-eight point eight percent from the field and forty percent from the three-point line in the two games. Oh, so I'll take it. I'll take it. Anytime Giannis wants to shoot 40% from the three-point line, like I'm all aboard. Who was it? Was it? It was Jalen Rose uh, after the Kings game. He talked about uh, Giannis is getting – he's in that LeBron territory now where, like, people see a stats and they're just like, ah, oh, it's Giannis. That's, that's, that's – I know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing where, like, it's almost discrediting to be like, well, he does that all the time. But that, that – Doesn't make it not insane – that's just a level of respect that yeah. man has garnered. <laughs> he just dominated. He lo- it looks effortless. Yep. When, I, when I watched him and I, and I saw his total, I was like 46. I was like, this fucking guy, dude. Yep. Bob brought up one of the stats from last night's game as well. Giannis passed 16,000 points for his career. Just earlier this season, Drew Holiday passed 15,000 points. That's a little perspective. Giannis is five years younger. It <laughs> just passed 16. Wow. So, good for Giannis. That's awesome for him. He had a great week, even though he only played in two of the four games. My other one, I also have Brooke Lopez. You you nailed all the stats and the percentages. What I want to bring up is over the last four games, Brooke Lopez led the Bucks in minutes. Brooke Lopez on the four games averaged over 36 minutes per game. God damn. And hasn't sat out. He's only missed one game this entire season. That is insane, dude. They're going to have to give him a rest if we have a big enough lead just to give him one game off, you know what I mean? Right, and that's totally totally in the cards to to let him have that rest. The Bucks did sign Myers Leonard for the rest of the season, so he will be playoff eligible for the Bucks. But I mean, you said it earlier in the season, and every time it comes up now, like I just repeat it, it's the best back surgery in the history of sports, Easy. maybe all time. Like, Easy. just the best back surgery ever. 
I can't believe the night and day difference. I'm like, wow, wow, yes. dude. <laughs> yeah, and it really makes me think that he wasn't 100% during the playoffs last year. Oh, oh yeah, I agree. All right, so for underrated performer, I went with Bobby Portis. I love your Joe Ingles pick. That's a fantastic okay. pick, and that probably would have been my pick. But I went with Bobby Portis to give him some love. He had two big games, then a quiet game, and then a solid game. But over the course of the four games, he averaged 14 points and eight rebounds, 58% from the field. And we've been waiting all season, and it's happening. Bobby Portis's resurgence from the three-point line Bobby Portis over the last week shot 66.7% from the three-point line. Seeing Bobby Portis bounce back on three-pointers is huge for the Bucks. Yes. That's such a big thing. Um, Andrew's got the Bobby chant going in the comments. It's, it's so awesome to see Bobby Portis bouncing back to, to the level that he played at last year, and it's, it's really awesome to see. So Bobby Portis is my underrated performer. Let's get into some games. <sighs> All right, let's start with Bucks and Nets from last Thursday. All right, so the really good game was this game for Bobby Portis, 28 and 13, 11 of 50, yes. 3 of 4 behind the three-point line. Fantastic. I was watching this game. He's hustling down the court. He's hitting threes. I'm like, that's Bobby Portis. That is the Bobby Portis I know. Um, this is also the game where Brooke decided to just go 24 points, 10 rebounds, and nine fucking blocks. <laughs> just kept blocking everything. I was like, what is happening? Are they still going at him? <laughs> um, I want to give the Nets a little credit. I talked about the Badgers not giving up when they were down big. The Nets were down really big in this game. But uh, Miles Bridges, and we, we fawned over him a couple weeks ago. Yep. He's a fantastic player. He's going to be really, really good for a really long time. He led the comeback for them, uh, hitting some tough mid-range and, and playing some defense. But we're here to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, who shot 19 of 50 behind the three-point line. They make a lot of goddamn three-pointers, dude. And I know that 19 of 50 isn't, like, fantastic, but it's 38%, which is pretty solid. Do you remember the time when we were really bad at three-point shooting? We we are just. We're, I remember, like the specific time that comes to mind when you're talking about bad three point shooting. Yeah. Like, I think back to like the John Selman's days. Yeah. He, he like was John Selman was our best player. Like that's. Like Ursan Ilyasova's first stint with the team. We had BJ. Yeah. Right. I don't know. That was, I don't know. It was very very. Just, I'll rough. say this: that was a different NBA, so different place. Sure, obviously, All right? But obviously, yeah. The talent level still is nowhere near what we have now. The basketball IQ, the coaching from top mm -hmm. to bottom, management, ownership, everything is just, yeah. just, just the gap is the gap is just widening yeah. at this point. Um, but the Bucks, the one thing that they still do, and I know you're going to say it as well. They turn the ball over a little bit too much. Um, every once in a while, they'll throw a lazy pass. Every once in a while, they'll just they'll dribble it off their own foot or the defender's foot, and it's just kind of like I have such a high like I need them to just be better. Like I have so such yeah. high expectations. Expectations was the word I was looking for. My expectations for this team is just 
fucking nuts. I will say though, they had 33 assists. So that was a great number. Um, 33 to 16 uh, versus 20 to 14 for the Nets. So that's the big difference in the game right there. Also 61 rebounds to 47 is a big difference. Um, one last shout out real quick to the Nets. 17 to 17 from the free throw line is impressive. That is impressive. So um, outside of Brook and Bobby, I mean, still good games all around, but uh, the Nets, eh. So Bob said two things. One, the first, the formula for the Bucs is to win is by scoring 118 or more points. Hey, if you score 118 points, I expect you to win damn near every game you play. And Pat Connaughton, he's he's been in a slump for about two weeks, week and a half, two weeks. Um, he bounced back a little bit yesterday, um, and we'll talk about that when we get to last night's game. But with this one, um, you brought up turnovers, and it's something that I have harped on a lot. Um, two for or two turnovers in two possessions to start the game. Um, with turnovers, this is my thought on the subject: is with the Bucks being as loaded as they are. And we talk about it that we believe if the Bucs are healthy, they're winning at all. Stand by that. I don't think it's a hot take. I don't care what you want to say. If you're a Boston fan, sorry, James, I don't care. If the Bucs are healthy, they're winning at all. Uh-huh. But the only ones that are capable of beating them in that scenario is themselves. I'm with that. So I feel that regardless of who the matchups end up being, going into the playoffs, if the Bucks lose any games in the playoffs, it'll be either A, a team getting super insanely hot from the three-point line, which the Bucks have been much better at this year, mm-hmm. or the Bucks having too many points off turnovers. If they're in the 20s with allowing points off turnovers, the Bucks could lose a playoff game here and there. Overall, I still think they'll rally, and it's a seven-game series, so it's not that big of a deal. But, obviously, you don't want to be giving your opponents momentum in the playoffs. So that's where I'm at with playoffs. Or with, um, sorry, with turnovers. Um, Going into this game, Bobby Portis. Him, his footwork, and I posted this, for him to just spin spin back one dribble and then spin back and fade from a step inside the three-point line like that's just wrong to be doing that at seven feet yeah. like that's some kevin durant shit yeah that bobby portis was pulling in the first half um and then this is the thing and joe ingles has touched on it is that a team that prioritizes ball movement as much as the bucks do will generally have higher turnovers in my opinion it's not an excuse but it can be you know, a symptom of what they're trying to do. So it's kind of just one of those give and take things. What it does, that unselfishness and those extra passes, and this is what the Bucks were doing in this first half, and that's what helped them shoot so hot from the three-point line in the first half, is making good passes, passing up good shots for great shots. That's true. Jay Crowder passed up a kind of an open three-pointer to hit Javon Carter for a wide-open three-pointer. Bucks made nine threes in the first quarter against the Nets. Nine in the first quarter, bro. That's nuts. That's their third time this season. <laughs> Puts you on pace to make 36 threes in the game. I know. That's stupid as fuck. 
<laughs> Obviously, that's not happening, but it's just that's the pace you're on. Um, this was the Bucks were 11 of 19 at one point. This was the first game since Bobby Portis returned that he made multiple threes. So this is where that three-point resurgence of Bobby Portis bounced back. The Bucks were 12 of 23 on threes in the first half. Um, we also got the Chris Middleton touchdown pass. Yeah, it wasn't to Giannis, but it was to Bobby Portis. And Joe Ingles, to your point, bringing him up in the underrated performer, his name's going to come up a lot. He's really starting to find his groove in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. He's making great decisions out of it. He's finding his teammates. And um, it's just seeing seeing him playing better offensively is is exciting. Second half, the Bucks cooled off from the three-point line. That's really, to me, what led the the Nets to make their comeback. Obviously, the Nets have something to do with it, but you're in a position where the Bucks make a ton of threes in the first half. You know, your shots are falling. You feel like they're going to continue falling, so you keep hunting them. And nobody should be blaming the Bucks for that. So if you want to get mad at the Bucs for, for blowing a lead, whatever, they still won the game. But if you're hot from the three-point line, you're going to keep shooting them. If you're cold from the three-point line, you're probably still going to keep shooting them, but just a little less frequently. In the second half, too, I want to bring this up a little bit, is shot selection. This is something when the Bucks play with leads that at times their shot selection gets a little iffy. And this is one of the things where, like I said, with turnovers, that the Bucks beating themselves is one of the only ways they might lose. Um, shot selection plays a factor in that. So when the Bucks are playing with leads, I'd like to see their shot selection uh, remain as high quality as it is when they're playing even, but from behind, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Also in the second half, I would like to say that I really appreciate that Grayson Allen is a willing rebounder. And it's not to say that he's a great rebounder. Like Bobby Portis is a great rebounder. But Grayson Allen is a winning rebounder. He's a willing and a winning rebounder. And what it, what I mean by that is basically you're going to have one play a game where Grayson Allen goes and steals an offensive rebound that he has no position and no business going to grab. And then he's going to come back around to the three-point line and nobody's going to be guarding him because he's the guy that got the rebound. And then he's going to hit a three on you. And you're going to be upset. <laughs> it, feels, it feels like it happens once a game where Grayson Allen gets an offensive rebound and then hits a three on you in the same possession. I'm with it. I like when that happens. <laughs> I, I strongly enjoy when it happens as well. Um, it's a momentum play is really what it is. Mm-hmm. And those are the kinds of things that winning basketball teams need. So for Grayson Allen to not be the first option, but to be making momentum plays, it's it's important. And those are the things that win you championships. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give Mike Budenholzer a little bit of credit for getting a successful challenge that gave Brooke Lopez his eighth blocked shot that tied his career high. He got the ninth one, and I believe that his ninth block, I think it was the dagger of the game, honestly. it's It set his career high, and I think that was kind of the – um, the thing that sealed the game for the Bucks, and you gave you gave the Nets a bunch of credit. You gave Mikal Bridges and their free throw shooting some credit. I want to give Cam Thomas some credit. He was going crazy in the second half. Um, you know, the announcers kept bringing up the the Nets bench points. They kind of left their bench in for about thirty minutes of the game each. It seemed yeah. like they were kind of giving their starters a day off without actually giving them the day off. Yeah. 
which I mean, if that that could potentially be something to combat the load management is, you know, you still play guys, you know, you let them get 12 minutes a game and the people that, that were there, you know, you can still get to see the guys you paid to see just not as much time better than seeing them in street clothes. In my opinion. True. That might, that's actually something might be worth discussing. Andrew said, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brooks should have blocked his own teammate for a triple double. If it works that way, I'm sure one of his teammates would have taken the would have taken the bullet for him. <laughs> yeah, that would have been amazing. Still um, crazy that he had. Nine it's still bullets. yeah, it's still awesome. Bobby Portis to have the 28 and 13. Brooke Lopez to have 24, 10 and nine. That would have been insane for him to have a triple double with that. Grayson Allen, 19 points, seven rebounds, two steals. Drew Holiday, 11 points, seven assists, two steals. Chris Middleton, 11, 7, and 7. Did not shoot well, but to still have 11, 7, and 7, you know, it doesn't happen by accident that you end up with seven assists. Like, Chris Middleton's a good passer and does not get credit for it. And I wanted to give Jay Crowder some credit for, you know, scoring six points. It is what it is. But 11 rebounds and two blocks for Jay Crowder in this game. Respect that. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say about the Bucks and Nets? No. I am ready for the dialogue section, though, because I do have some things to say. And I have a question to pose to you. Okay. All right. Let's do Bucks and Warriors. I'll go first on this one. This one, this is the kind of thing where I get why fans are frustrated. It's a game that you lost that you feel you should have won. I understand that. I get it. Mm -hmm. But I said this to you, and I guess let me – let me throw out some of the things before before I get to what I'm thinking with this. Obviously, Bucks playing without Giannis and spare me the moral victory shit. I don't care if that's what you think when I say the Bucks were playing without Giannis. It's just a fact. Two, I believe that boxing out needs to be a focus for every single player on the roster, not just Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis. Yeah. And this includes Giannis. I'm sorry, but it does. Yeah. It includes Giannis. He yeah. needs to box out more. Yeah. He's a great rebounder, but you still got to do the fundamentals. I, b- I believe that, and that's just something I wanted to put there. <clears throat> Third thing. This is really where I think Joe Ingles is starting to have his coming out party. And the thing with Joe Ingles is he didn't start playing games until Christmas time. Yeah. So we're now seeing Joe Ingles in midseason form 15 games before the end of the season. Works for me. <laughs> it totally works for me, too. I'm totally on board with it. And we're, we're um, going to get midseason form Jay Crowder in the middle of the playoffs. So true. Let's get true. it. <laughs> um, Brooke Lopez, he got some love on Twitter a little bit for it, but that could be a signature defensive player of the year play if he ends up winning it. For him to switch on to Steph Curry in the corner and still have the recognition to go all the way over to the weak side and block a shot that should have been the game ceiling play 
just because the Bucks lost doesn't mean that that play isn't still insane. Yeah, I agree. Um, same with same with Drew Holiday. He turned the ball over after that block shot. That does not negate the fact that he was clutch as hell in the fourth quarter. He made three threes and assisted two more in the final seven minutes of the game. Holy shit. <laughs> That's yeah. 15 Damn. points scored or assisted by Drew Holiday in seven minutes. And he was hitting bombs too, man. Yeah. Just because he had the turnover that kind of lost him the game a little bit doesn't mean that he didn't do all that in the fourth quarter and, and have some nuts, you know, some nuts play. Great. Speaking of nuts play, when Steph Curry gets hot, I don't think anybody in the NBA gets hotter. No. Steph Curry is one of those guys where, like, he gets hot, and then he hits another one, and then he gets hotter, and it, at that point, like, every shot he shoots is going in. Yeah, it's – it is it's, what it is. <laughs> honestly, if it didn't happen against the Bucks, it'd be fun to watch. That's it the reality fun. of it. It is fun to watch. Yes. It just sucks when it happens to you. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's it, – it's it's inevitable. Kind of like kind of like if the, if a Warrior fan say Giannis was playing and Giannis is dunking all over the team, I hope a Warriors fan is saying it's fun to watch Giannis dunk on other teams, just right. not against us. But at right. the end of the day, it's inevitable, right? There's three people in the lane. Giannis is dunking. I'm sorry, he's yeah. made his decision, and you're just part yeah. of it at that. Point. <laughs> he's, he's made his decision. Yep, yeah. you're <laughs> on the tracks, and like, sorry, the train's still coming through. Yep. Ooh, all he does is run and dunk. Whatever. I don't give a shit. He scores 46. It doesn't have to do anything else. He can run and dunk for 46 points. We win. Shaq couldn't even run. He just literally just dunked. Hey, facts on that. <laughs> My thought on Drew Holiday at the end of the game, and we can discuss this if you want, but I believe when he when he gets past his man, and he sees the corner defender step up, he's got to kick that ball out to Joe Ingles. Well, I don't remember if we had a timeout, but he, he can't continue his dribble. I know that for a fact. Yeah. Um, which is exactly what he did. And he'll tell you the same thing. And it's not that we're ragging on him. No. But Drew Holiday will know. He he, he probably watched that play mm-hmm. uh, on the way to Sacramento. Yeah. And he probably was like, okay, um, I have this guy here. I have this guy here. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, that that you're talking about that layup though. I was talking yeah. about the dribbling off, but oh yeah, yeah, regulation end of regulation, where where Curry blocked his shot. It's it's a thing where like he does. He probably would tell you the same thing. Like, I need to kick that ball out to Joe, and Joe was balling. That is the reason why I say yes because Ingles was in rhythm. Yeah. He was already in rhythm. If he kicks that, we're probably like celebrating a four and a week. We yeah. still have the road win streak. It'd be up to thirteen yep. right now. So, it is and the, the Warriors are so fucking weird. Like for them to be like on a, like a nine game home win streak and a seven game road losing streak, such a weird team this year. I, think, I who the hell did I ask? I talked to a lot of people this week. I think it was my dad. Um. I asked him, I said, who, who are we playing in the finals? And he goes, the Warriors. I said, what? They don't win on the road. But they don't lose at home. So yeah. if they get lucky one out of four times, if they play a seven-game series every round, 
they're probably going to keep going on because they just don't lose at home for some reason. Yeah. It's weird. Man, that's tough. I'll save that for the dialogue part. I'll save that too. Okay. I'm going to write down this question then because it just popped in my head, but keep going. Yeah. All right. Uh, Other thing with Joe Ingles in this game as well. Joe Ingles was five of six on threes. So trust your teammate. Drew kicked that ball out. Ingle makes the three and we go to Sacramento with a win. And I'm not, and this isn't like you said, this isn't, you know, just here to rag on Drew Holiday. It's an opportunity for improvement. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, get into overtime. And I'll, Bucks scored the first two points in overtime. And their only other points came from a Chris Middleton three. Bucks only scored five points in the overtime period. And I will say if the Bucks end up playing the Warriors in the finals, Draymond is too little for Brook Lopez. The Warriors point blank period are too small for the Bucks. True. What I will say, and this was my biggest takeaway from this, is that I like that the Bucks found themselves in a tight, tough, late-game situation. Personally, I hope it happens more. There's much more to learn from this type of scenario that will benefit them in the postseason than there is for them to be winning or losing by double digits. Whether it be Budenholz's rotations, how they defend screens, who the closer will be, mm-hmm. for them to be in late-game situations, that to me is is important for them to get that experience within the game. Well, those are my takeaways from this game. Um, Tim hates Draymond. Um, what did you see from the Warriors game that stood out to you? I'm going to reply to Tim real quick. I used to hate Draymond. And then I started watching him when he would join TNT. Um, and I listened to parts of his podcast. The guy is smart. And he has a reason to talk. So he does have four rings. So I guess I'm just going to leave it at that. Although he was he, he, he was talking before the rings. But when you have that kind of confidence and it goes through your locker room, and then you have a guy like a Steph Curry and a, and a Clay Thompson on your team, and that confidence gets instilled into shooters like that, that's a fucking tough formula to beat. former defensive player of the year, too. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy – we talked about basketball like you before with, with, with Joe Engels. Draymond's pretty goddamn smart. Yeah, he's, not, he's got it. I respect Draymond at the very least. Like, I'm not yeah. a fan of him or anything, but I respect Draymond. I agree. I respect him. He is a jackass, though, so I do agree with you on that. Yeah. Part. Um, my takeaways from this game down big, well, 15, right? 15, 13. Yeah. That's that's another thing I didn't even mention. They were down 13 in the third quarter. You talked about teams not quitting. So credit to you for that. 13 go up eight in the fourth quarter. I, I texted this to you. I said, the bucks fucked around and they allowed Curry to get hot. And my anxiety level watching Curry get the ball, Curry get the ball, Curry get the ball as he's heating up. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this clock is taking forever to hit zero. <laughs> I'm just like, go to zero. <laughs> like, hurry up. But the Warriors are just incredibly tough. And without Giannis, and like you said, I don't give a shit, okay? I really don't give a shit. They played without Giannis. And they went to overtime with the Warriors. If people are allowed to say that the Bucks are fake because they struggled against the Celtics without Tatum, 
then what the hell are the Warriors at home, one of the best home records in the league, without Giannis? Tell me how that's different. And and before I get into it, I know I had Chris Middleton in my power pair. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. Yep. He was consistent. Yep. I'll say his defense needs to get a little bit better. But right. the one thing that I did notice, his legs and his jump shot are getting better. I He's getting a little bit more lift. We saw it more. Lift. We'll see it more in the next game we talk about. And yeah. I just thought of this too. On the, you know, the playing without Giannis on the road thing. And this is, this goes for any time you want to claim that, you know, whatever that we are saying or people that want to remain positive for whatever reason are just claiming moral victories. Like you saying that somebody's claiming a moral victory is just you looking for an excuse to continue being negative. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's all it is. And I don't, I don't care. Call it a moral victory, whatever. Continue being a miserable person. At the end of the day, it still counts as a loss and we're not ignoring that, but right. the, the there's, there's a couple of things in this game that really bother me. First of all, we gave up 60-plus rebounds in this game, 65 to be exact. 18 of those are on the offensive end. Yeah. It felt like in the first half when we were kind of going back and forth with them, they they had the, the lead for the most part. Every time they missed a shot, they got the rebound. And it was like, we're going to lose this game by like seven points, and it's going to be because we did not rebound very well. Well – Fast forward to the fourth quarter when we had the lead, and they're still getting offensive rebounds. And now Steph Curry is on fire. That is a bad combination. (laughs) One of the worst combinations. (laughs) We are the best team in the league. I have absolutely no shame saying that. I don't even, I'm not even scared about who's behind us right now. Yeah. They went from, oh my God, the Celtics are the best. They're the class of these, they're the class in the NBA to, oh, the Bucs are really fucking good. Who would have fucking thought? (laughs) Like, seriously, people, Giannis is Giannis is the best player in the league. He's playing at MVP level. He was on our team the entire year. I don't know. If he, he's been here the whole time. He dropped 50 in January twice. He's just been here. But the Bucks losing this game, I, I personally think, and, it, and this is going to to play off of what you said before, I think the Bucks lost this game. I don't think the Warriors won this game. I think it's a little bit of both. I think Curry's Curry's microwave ability that that won them the game in a capacity. I, I want to agree with that. I really do. But I feel like the Bucks could have put this game away. In my I opinion. agree, they could have put this game away. So I really, I really feel like the Bucks lost this game. If there was a pie chart, I would say it was it was a little bit more 70-30 than 60-40 that you're kind of suggesting, but yeah. Um I I still think that the Bucks could have put this one away and I think I I, abs- I absolutely think they would agree with that as well. Drew yeah. Holiday would agree with that, everybody would, but if they rebound a little bit better and you know they they play a little bit little bit stiffer defense on the perimeter, I mean it's tough with with Steph Curry. Also, oh, before I forget, I'm going all over the place. How the hell did they get Clay Thompson in foul trouble in the first half, and then they don't go after his ass in the second half? Ask Monty Williams. That bothered the shit out of me. Monty Williams. <laughs> uh, Bob said the Bucks have another West Coast swing that could be even tougher this one. Bob, I pulled up the schedule. They have a four-game road trip, but only two of them are in the West. So after this week. 
Um, they play Indiana, Toronto, and San Antonio at home. Then they play at Utah, at Denver, at Detroit, at Indiana. So that's two tough games followed up by two kind of cupcakes. Utah is always tough. Denver obviously is tough. They're the best team in the West right, right now. Um, so I don't, I don't think I would say that it's tougher to go to Utah and Denver knowing that you have to go to Detroit and Indiana more than it is to have to play Golden State, Sacramento, and Phoenix in and, and, four days. And Sacramento and Phoenix are back-to-back. And Sacramento is the number two seed in the West right now. Yeah, the Utah-Denver so, Utah is back-to-back as well. But that's a oh, yeah. that's a pretty short trip, honestly. Yeah, that's not too bad. I don't know. I mean, flip a coin, I guess. <laughs> yeah, both both are tough. I I would personally say that Sacramento and and Phoenix would be tougher if I had yeah. to pick. Especially when you put two days ahead of that, they just played Golden State. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But uh, man, this is gonna uh, don't even ask me my record prediction for this week because you already know the answer. that's an easy one light work um let's go let's go on to the king's game um i'm ready for your for your synopsis on this buddy this was this was a fun game um the bucks got Giannis back obviously they got chris middleton back uh oh sorry chris middleton was kind of back already in the warriors game Chris Middleton played the first of the back-to-back. They sat Joe Ingles out. They did that on purpose. They purposely alternated so that they'd have Chris for the Kings game, Ingles for the Suns game instead of setting out both of them against Phoenix. So they alternated them on purpose. Um, the um, the Bucks, after winning this game, <laughs> have now won 14 straight games against the Sacramento Kings. Yep. They are one of the like one of the biggest improved teams in the NBA this season, and they have not beaten the Bucks. Uh, I'm trying to find the exact date. I thought I had it written down. Um, I can find. Oh, they place. haven't beaten the Bucks since February first, two thousand sixteen. Oof. <laughs> Oof. That was a long time ago. Bro. I didn't even have my house yet then, bro. Dude. <laughs> I've lived in four different fucking cities since 2016, dude. Oh. My five-year-old wasn't even born yet. My God. <laughs> Think about that. Holy crap. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Can't wait like till the Bucks the- and Kings meet in the, in the finals and the Bucks sweep them and the street continues. <laughs> oh, I would cry. I would cry, bro. Oh, I'd uh, cry. be hilarious. Yes, it would. Um, this was brought up by Marcus Johnson during the game that the Sacramento Kings starting lineup has played um, the most minutes together. They've played over 700 minutes together. Their starting five has. The Bucks' desired starting five, which they got in this game, has played 56 total minutes together this season. God damn. Yes, Bob Sacramento was a different team back then. They've been lots of so different teams over the last 17 years. But on Maker Days. <laughs> yeah. Jabari Parker, number two overall pick. Days. Jabari Parker days. Um so Bucks missed their first four shots of the game until Giannis got three consecutive lefty layups, and people were like, Oh, Giannis's right hand must be bothering him. And then he just proceeded to make 
like all of his shots for the rest of the game. Um, Kings jumped out to a 14-6 lead early by making a bunch of threes. Giannis scored 13 of the Bucks' first 15 points. Then he missed a layup and must have been pissed because then he came down and he dunked the ball on the next possession. <laughs> it's like, no, didn't go in? All right, it's going down. Oh, it's going in now. <laughs> Giannis had 17 points in 13 minutes of game time. This he's he's stupid good. <laughs> Bucks started one for nine from the three point line. Mm. Um, I do want to give credit to the Bucks guards. This is involves all the Bucks guards: Javon Carter, Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, Pat. Bucks guards played pretty good on ball defense on the Kings guards in the first half. Um, the first half was really Demontis Sabonis going at it with Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. The you know, it was annoying seeing the Kings using points off turnovers to build a big lead, but it's just we're just beating the same old drum at this point. Yep. Um, what I do want to say, and this goes to your point as well, that the Bucks weren't rattled by it, even on the road, weren't rattled by going down by double digits. They know it's the first half. They know there's a lot of game left. Brooke Lopez carried the offense for a while in the first half. He scored nine points in the second quarter. Um, Giannis drew another charge. That's at least the second time it's happened this year. <laughs> might be the last, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> Drew Holiday took the two-for-one shot, which if if you hear the phrase two-for-one during a basketball game and you're not sure what it is, it's when there's more than 24 seconds left, where if you shoot the shot, you know that even if you force a shot clock violation, that you're going to get the ball back for one more chance to shoot again. Mm-hmm. So Drew Holiday takes the two-for-one shot with 32 seconds left, and nails a three-pointer from six feet past the three-point line. He was in L.A. when he shot that one. <laughs> he, was, he was still at Golden State when he shot it. <laughs> but he, he made it. It cut the lead to eight. That cut the lead to single digits before halftime. The Bucks were down nine at half. Giannis had 21 points in the first half. He was 10 of 13 on field goals. God damn. <laughs> Interesting things with the first half. Um, everybody that played scored. Like and the Bucks, despite nine or five of nineteen from the three-point line, Sacramento was eleven for twenty-four, Ooh. and they did not cool off. Kevin Herter was a fucking animal in the yeah. second half. It problem. didn't matter how close you were to him; he was putting it in. Yep. He was doing a Steph Curry impression, and credit to him, he was on fire. Yes, he was. And it's one of those things where it's like, I'm glad I can say that the Bucks won because it's fun to watch. Yeah, yep, like, I agree. It's, it's fun, but the Bucks won, so that's what's important. Um, Chris Middleton, only five points at halftime. So he scored 31. 26 of them were in the second half. That's the Chris Middleton we know. He had nine assists as well. Six of them were in the second half. Pick and roll. And if if Bobby Portis or no, sorry not Bobby Portis if Brooke Lopez makes his layup Chris Middleton is a double double. Yeah, <laughs> Brooke was pissed. He he even shouted it out and he was giving Chris Middleton like he was giving him a hug. He's like, but it is what it is. Chris Middleton two for two from the three point line to start the second half, uh, fueled a nine to two run. The Bucks tied this game after two minutes and twenty seconds went by. <laughs> so you go from up nine. Less than two and a half minutes later, game's tied. Fuck. 
That's where you're at. <laughs> um, Bob said Kevin Herter always gives us problem, especially in Atlanta. Yeah, and he's a he's a shooter, and it's call that cliche whatever you want, but shooters shoot, and that's what Kevin Herter was doing. Yeah. I think he finished eight of ten on threes. I want to say. Yeah, that's that's absurd. He was he was in another universe. That was definitely an out of body experience for him. Oh, I bet, and that's one of those games where it's like. Dude, I remember this one time we were playing Milwaukee in the middle of March and we lost the game. But I remember that was eight of 10 for threes. Like he's going to be talking on JJ Reddick's podcast 20 years from now. And it's like, I remember when the Bucks were on their, on their uh, quest for their second title yep. and we were, we were beating them and I was making eight of 10 threes and they still beat us. Like that's, <laughs> that's what that's going to be for Kevin Herter. I agree. So credit to him. Um, Chris Middleton had 12 points in six and a half minutes in the third quarter. Shit. <laughs> um, Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday had a tough three. Um, Giannis walked into a three to tie the game at 76. The Bucks went on a 10 nothing run to take a two point lead in the third quarter. Um, the Bucks won the third quarter 37 to 25. Glad you take a three point lead into the first quarter, and then we get to the fourth quarter. Like the Bucks and Kings just absolutely just trading haymakers, just both going back and forth, just threes on threes on threes. It's like Zora and Zora, to her credit, called this out that this was happening with De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis in the game mm-hmm. while Drew Holiday and Giannis were on the bench and the Bucks were holding serve against them. That's how fucking good the Bucks are. Yeah, that's <laughs> to hold serve with two of your big three on the bench. Yeah. Um, Brooke Lopez had a great drive, got a nice pass to Jay Crowder, um, and then hit a contested three the next possession. That was part of an 8-0 run after Sacramento had taken a two-point lead. And then we get Kevin Herter again. Chris Middleton stopped an 8-0 run by Sacramento with an and one. That was part of a 7-0 Bucks run. Like I feel like that's all I notice in basketball games now is just the game of runs. I just notice all the runs. <laughs> but but it's, it's either a back and forth game or it's a game of runs, and we've said that countless times. It, it, that that is the context that is needed when covering these games is whose run was sustained and who who was able to kill those, especially on the road and home games. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's like the big thing that I notice is is the is the runs in the games. But we get to the end of the game, and I'll let you let. Tell me what stood out to you, and then we'll talk about what happened at the end of the game separately. So what stood out to you from the actual game itself before we get into the softness? Okay, so first I'm going to say it again. Giannis missing three straight games and then coming and doing 46 is still really stupid in a good way. Yeah, it's stupid. Um, Like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Giannis and Chris Middleton combined for 77 points in this game. That's their most as teammates. Oh, um, really? Yeah, that's their most huh. as teammates. Um, in a game as teammates, I guess I should word it. Um, the Bucks still <laughs> haven't lost back-to-back games since mid-January. So we got that going for us. Now, the Bucks won this game, and there was a little scuffle at the end, but I do not want Sabonis' game to go unnoticed. Yes, we are Bucks fans. Yep. He had 23 points, 17 rebounds, and 15 assists. That is a disgusting stat line. 
I will and, say credit for the Bucks. He had 17 points at halftime, so he only scored six points in the second half. Yeah, he he was definitely in playmaker mode in the second half. Yeah. I would say. Uh, I looked it up. He shot eight of eleven. Cuter shot eight of eleven. By the way, um, eight mm-hmm. of ten, eight of eleven. Bananas, apples, oranges, whatever doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. Just because uh, he went, just because he started with bananas, I'm like, where is he going with this? <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Uh, is what I was trying to say. It just doesn't matter. Eight, eight of 11, 8 of 10. It just doesn't matter. It's still impressive. Um, Bananas to apples. That's my new catchphrase. <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't matter. That, just, just say it like that. If people are like, what does that mean? Just, it doesn't matter. You've ever heard apples to oranges? Get ready for bananas to apples. <laughs> bananas to apples, baby. <laughs> God damn it. No, I lost what I'm doing. Fuck. Uh, I'm going to be in an argument with, with somebody on Twitter tomorrow about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm going to be like, you're comparing bananas to apples. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, shit. Well, what I was going to say, at the end of this game, the scuffle, whatever, the thing that made me laugh super hard about this game was Michael Rappaport's comment from Brooke Lopez. And he said, let Brooke Lopez light the beam. And I was like, oh, God, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but anyways, I want you to go over what you saw because I'm going to I'm going to explain a Bucks fan that I saw. That was just completely ridiculous. But anyways, I want to see what you saw. Okay. So for me, like, it's really easy to say because a scuffle happened that, well, Giannis didn't have to dribble in front of Trey Lyles. It's really like that corner is usually where guys go to dribble out the clock. It's like the corner of half court on the sideline, mm-hmm. also going towards his bench. Um, Lyles didn't have to react like that. No. You can say whatever happens, you know, on the outside of it, but I've heard the phrase thousand times, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react. And fact of the matter is, Trey Lyles did not have to react by pushing Giannis. I'm fine with him, like, trying to poke the ball away. Like, if you can get, like, a, you know, a quick steal and, you know, get yourself two points, you know, I'm fine with that part of it. I don't have a problem with him trying to poke the ball away when Giannis dribbled close to him. What it is after that is for him to then grab Giannis and then push him. That's the part that's uncalled for. And then... After that, to try to put a hand on Brooke Lopez's throat, like, are you trying to have your hand broken? Like, Yana, like Brooke Lopez could probably just, like, flex his, his muscles here and his jugulars and, like, break your hand. Like, I feel like that's how strong Brooke Lopez is because he's fucking huge. He's but, like, you're going to pick a fight with somebody? Like, pick a fight with Patrick Beverly, not Brooke Lopez. Right. I mean, or you could just not pick a fight. I mean, or, yeah, or, yeah. Is- you could start with that. You could start with that. You can just um, not be soft. Yeah, and yeah, not have your feelings hurt when you're a professional basketball player making millions of dollars. And it's not like the Kings are bad this year either, so we can't even use the excuse like, oh, he's just frustrated by the team losing. You're mad because you thought that because you were playing at your house and you were up by mm-hmm. double digits that the team was just going to lay down. Let me tell you something. You want to know what the heart of a champion is? It's never quit. It's, yeah. it's never quitting until the end. Yep. And I watched the Bucks win a title, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then that game in Boston where Drew Holiday literally stole the game from the Celtics. 
I will never give up on a basketball game ever again in my life, and I can blame Drew Holiday for that. Now, I might get hurt in the future, but I'll tell you what. I am never, ever giving up on a basketball game ever again because of Drew Holiday. That fourth quarter was so nuts. I cannot – like, I still to this day am just like, the fuck? <laughs> he did not, it twice. He did it to him twice. We, we Yeah, we did not deserve to win that game. But we literally just took that shit. Literally so, stole it. We did. And for Trey, now the Bucks fan that I saw, that I encountered, he said, Giannis doesn't have to dribble in front of Trey Lyles. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Are you really making an excuse for this soft-ass generation? This is where people say that our generation is soft because he can't even dribble in front of him without causing a fight. Dude, just take a step to the left like eight inches. You'll be fine. Go to the locker room, and then Darren Fox doesn't have to complain. And by the way, what the fuck is he even talking about? He said, Giannis could just dribble the game out. What do you think he was doing? Just because your guy acted like that. And then Mike Brown. I've never seen a guy with a bigger head have a, have a higher pitch voice in my entire life. <laughs> like, it's just unreal to me. I don't, I don't know what they're talking about over there. He's like, we're not going to get punked. Well, you did get punked. Because if it wasn't for the security team, your boy was going down. I promise you that. Yeah. Because Brooke Lopez had him here. It was over for him after Trey that. Lyles had a hand on Brooke Lopez's throat, and Brooke did not give a shit. He kept moving forward, like, come yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. That's why, like I said, I don't, why Why is Brooke Lopez the guy that you're like, yeah, let's go? Like, I'd be like, it'd be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then you look up, and you're like, oh, n- nothing, sir. Yeah. I- <laughs> And then you go at Giannis at that. Like, you got to be smarter than that, dude. Like, you should know that. And we talked about this. I dare people to, to pick a fight. This is when we had Surge. But now now, now we have Jay Crowder, which is equally as tough. Why would you pick a fight with this Bucks team? We will stomp you. <laughs> Literally. We have Grayson Allen. Careful who you mess with. Yeah, man. <laughs> Just so you can get stomped on. Uh, get kicked in the dick is what you're going to get. <laughs> um, Bill and Bob both brought up that Giannis is going to pay the fine. He got fined $25,000. Um, nothing huge. Trey Lyles got suspended for a game, so there's that. Um, so Giannis finished 46-12-4. Chris Middleton had 31-9 and nine assists. Brooke Lopez... Just filling up the stat sheet, 23 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 blocks. Drew Holiday, 11 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. That's the big four, right? We just talked about this a couple weeks ago when I brought up the Bucks had the 44-33-22. And, or no, sorry, it was 33-22-11, sorry. But we talked about it, that if we had a 44-33-22-11, that that would be 110 points from the big four. This game, they had 111. 111 points from four dudes. That's nuts. That is you nuts. didn't get punked? No, you just got just fucking dominated. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, so getting into this Bucks and Suns game, and I will address Bob's comment because it's it's good to bring up for, for two people, really. 
Um, Zora is doing some more um, some more play-by-play with Lisa Byington um, being at the NCAA tournament. Um, Lisa Byington was invited to do some of the play-by-play during March Madness. So that's good for Lisa Byington for her getting picked for that as well. And it's good for Zora. She gets some more play-by-play experience and she gets some more exposure for her. So good for both of them for, for both being able to have those opportunities. So let's get into the Bucks Suns game. Last night's game, the one that caused me to stay up till almost midnight, but totally worth it. Cause it's fun to watch. Um, no Grayson and no Chris Middleton, but what stood out to you from last night's game between the Bucks and the Suns? First of all, as as uh, we get the news with Rodgers today, we know uh, one thing about Rodgers, other than the four-time MVP and the Super Bowl MVP, um, he is the owner of an NFL team, the Chicago Bears. And I'm bringing this up for a reason, as Giannis is the owner of the Phoenix Suns. I, I just he – has, he hasn't come out and said, yeah, I own you, like Rodgers has. He has to wait a couple more years. But at some point during his career, I fully expect Giannis to yell to the Phoenix crowd that I own you. I'm dead ass, dude. You can tell, too, that he lives rent-free in Monty Williams' head, too. Oh, 100%. He was the subject of one of my, like, most profanity-laden rants was when Monty Williams was complaining about Giannis shooting so many free throws. And I called him out on his bullshit because Chris Paul said earlier in the series that they were trying to put Giannis in the free throw line. And then Monty Williams was mad that Giannis was shooting a lot of free throws. And I said, bullshit, you're not mad that he's getting there. You're mad that he's making them. Oh, 100%. As I finish this, I'm just going to say, Giannis deserves two trophies. Or two statues. Two statues. One in Milwaukee, one in Phoenix. (laughs) Because he fucking... Owns them. Plain and simple. That is the number one thing I came away from this game. I was like, they cannot stop him. People in Phoenix literally hate this man. <laughs> so, with that being said, I'm going to drop a stat that I think you're going to like. Last night was the 69th game of the season. Nice. Giannis scored the 69th point. <laughs> the <game>. Nice. <laughs> it was his 13th time this season. Scoring the 69 nice. points. Yeah, there you go. Attaboy. I'm ready for this now, boy. Dude, <laughs> I follow the fire page on Twitter, dude. You got to check it out. But I tagged you, but you got to check it out, man. It's it's hilarious. But anyways, <laughs> um, as as I'm not screwing around anymore, I'm, I'm trying to look at Giannis's career stats versus the Suns just to pull it up because I bet it's ridiculous. It probably is. Um, he, he owns them. I know he does. I, I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, we shot 47%. We shot 31% from three. I expected a little bit of tired legs in the second night of a back-to-back. But to your point, you brought up the Bucks are much better at defending the three this season. They only allowed the Suns to hit eight three-pointers. On a team that has Ooh. Devin Booker, a guy that can hit eight by himself. True. Um. 46 rebounds to 41 rebounds. We won the rebounding battle. 24 to 13 assist to turnover. Pretty similar to what Phoenix had. The free throw disparity was massive. But you know what else was massive? The points in the paint. Mm. We outscored them by 18 points in the paint. And they made four less threes than us. Look no further why they lost the game. 
Exactly. All he wants to cry about is the free throws, free throws, free throws. We whooped your ass inside. The more aggressive team tends to get more foul calls. True. That was one of the things that I thought of with that. It's like, you have a team of jump shooters. Why are you complaining that Devin Booker's not getting more free throws? He's shooting jump shots against one of the best, smartest defenders in the NBA, Drew Holiday. And what and what do you think, Chris Paul? What what is Chris Paul's signature move? A fucking fadeaway mid range. Mm. How many free throws are you getting off that? Not very many. I promise you that. And Brooke Lopez is one of the smartest defending centers in the league. You think DeAndre Hayden's going to take advantage of that? No. No, he shot a oh bunch of jump shots. The, oh, yeah, he did because that is what we gave him. Yeah. The only player on your roster that you now currently have that can get to the free throw line and force the issue is Kevin Durant. And I'm sorry, but his little baby ankles rolled, so he's going to be out for a little bit. I got nothing else other than the fucking complaining with the free throws is literally Bush League, and I'm fucking tired of it. Yeah, yeah, that's soft. It is. So before I get into my my thoughts on this game, I just want to give this to you. I just want to give you a gift of Giannis' career stats against the Suns, including the playoffs. So his first three games, he have he had zero, six, and six points. Oh no! That was all three of those were in 2014. Oh no! Gets a little different after that. These are Giannis's career averages against the Phoenix Suns, including the playoffs: twenty-six points, ten rebounds, five assists, fifty-eight point three percent on field goals. And 65% on free throws. He is a career plus 33 against Phoenix. He was horrible at the start of his career. I want people to understand His that. first three games, minus 17, minus 16, minus 9. So he was in a minus 42 hole in his first three games against the Suns. Holy shit. So really, if you take those out, he's plus 70-something. Yeah, 33, yeah, 33 plus 42, yeah, about 75. Holy shit. If you take out his rookie and sophomore season. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I'm telling you, I watched it. I was like, bro, he owns this on. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's good stuff right there. It's only going to get worse, dude. It's oh, for the Suns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this was forcing the issue early. He got two early follows on DeAndre Ayton. Um, I want to give Pat Connaughton some credit. He's he's been dragged by the fans a little bit lately for being in a slump, which you know we know we know Wisconsin sports fans when they get emotional they find somebody to point blame at and discredit guys who are good that are just going through a rough time. Yeah. Pat Connaughton literally dove on the floor to get a steal. That's that's Pat Connaughton winning plays right there, and the play resulted in a fast break that led to a Joe Ingles three. So I'm going to take that. Pat Connaughton also hit a four-point play. I'm hoping that play ends up becoming his slump buster, and I hope he just gets gets super hot, starts playing well tomorrow night and Sunday. Yes. Uh, Jay Crowder hit back-to-back threes in the second quarter. Wesley Matthews was back in the game. Like Bob yes. said before, Giannis got to 16,000 career points. Um, the Bucks were killing the Suns on offensive rebounds. Brooke Lopez crossed up Devin Booker. 
Um, Devin Booker kind of carried the Suns for a little bit in the third quarter, but the ball movement was doing really well by the Bucks. Um, ended with Javon Carter hitting a three. Javon Carter was actually really active on both ends of the floor, like just going to get tips on rebounds and stuff like that and, and getting some extra ones. It's, it's good to see. Uh, Bob said part of the problem is he doesn't get consistent enough touches on the ball to be consistent. And that's one of those things where it's going to happen. Like you're going to be streaky when you're just kind of camping in the corners waiting for, for three point shots. Well, and it happens it's, when your team is like 12 deep. <laughs> right. And that's why, like, just let – if the Bucks are winning, like, who gives a shit? Let him shoot his way out of his slump. Yeah, he'll figure it out. If he's trending up at the right time, who cares that he went through a two-week slump in March? I agree. We're not saying you're saying that, Bob. We're saying, like, right, right. General, it's, it's, general. I mean, there's no denying it. Like, Pat Connaughton's in a slump. We know he's capable of more. Yeah. And we believe he'll be back to that level of capability. Agreed. Uh, Tim said the block on Booker by Giannis made a fool of him and put him on his ass. It did. I mean, I don't dislike Devin Booker, but he's kind of soft. Bro, he has to hate the Bucks. Yeah, but he does. He has to hate the Bucks. There's no goddamn way he's not at home. Like, man, fuck Milwaukee. <laughs> no way. Um, Phoenix did take an early lead in the fourth quarter. It felt like the the previous game where Phoenix took a lead in the fourth quarter in Milwaukee. That was the game that I was at, and the Bucks just kind of just said, "Nah, the end of this game belongs to us." Mm-hmm. They tied the game at ninety seven. The Bucks went on a seventeen to four run after that. They finished the game nineteen to seven after the game was tied at ninety seven. Oh, that's hilarious, bro. <laughs> it's just like, all right, yeah, Phoenix, it was cute, but uh, yeah, this one's ours. Yeah, the the, the adults are talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the Bucks really, in the last six minutes of the game, took their defense to another level. Yeah. And this is where we get into these situations where early in the season where we talk about teams that can flip the switch and the Bucks are one of them. That's the switch they flipped. They flipped that defensive switch and it said, all right, enough fucking around. Like, we're going to go win this game. Man. And this is the game that really, to me, said that Joe Ingles has made a big impact on the Bucks' offense in the month of March. Mm-hmm. Joe Ingles finished with six points and seven assists. That's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, points are what win you games, but if you can get other people points, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So the Bucks with this game became the first of fifty, the first team to clinch a playoff spot, and they're now nine and one on the second game of back to backs. God damn, that's a stat. That's a yeah. stat. Who's the one loss? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I I I love those stats and I hate them because now I got to be like, who's the one that ruined it? Who fucked it up for us? I'd have to look at the schedule. Yeah, me too. Damn it. Um. So Giannis, in his second game back from a three-game absence, 36 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists, you know, just doing Giannis things. That's what he does, bro. <laughs> Brooke Lopez, 21, 10 rebounds, two steals. Drew Holiday, 12 points, six rebounds, five assists. Jay Crowder and Bobby Portis had 11 points each. Um, and then Pat Connaughton, eight points, three blocks, team high, plus 21. Oh, shit. Nice. Good find. That's what I'm here for, man. So, the Bucks play tomorrow night 
against Toronto. Or no, sorry. Tomorrow night against Indiana. Sunday against Toronto. Um, so only two games between this week and next week um, for the Bucks, and we'll have at least one Badger game to talk about. So what else you got? All right, I got a few questions for you. Since I've had right. these debates in the last few days. First question, what conference is better, the East or West? And feel free to join in in the comments section. Bob, Bill, Tim. So I'm going to give kind of a cop-out answer. I'm going to say as far as playoff teams go, the East, and as far as top to bottom, the West. So 1 through 8, I'll say the East. 1 through 15, I'll say the West. Okay. Because I think the East has, has like, I don't know, four of the top six or seven and probably three or four of the bottom five. Okay. I'm with that. But, okay. I said the East is better. And, yeah. you know, somebody was talking to said the West, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they said that. Like Lakers fan. It is. And he's in, a, he's in a chat we're in, by the way. <laughs> And he said that OKC is a good team. And I said, what? Shai Gilgis Alexander is a good player. The OKC is not a good team. I said, what are you talking? And then I looked at the record and I was like, oh, they're ahead of you. That's why you said they're a good team. Okay. That makes more sense. Um, So then I want to know your preferred offensive lineup and your preferred defensive lineup. And you have to put yourself in the mindset of like, we need a bucket or we need a stop. So give me an offensive lineup. Give me a defensive lineup. I feel like they're going to be pretty close, but yep. not exactly the same. Okay. So for an offensive lineup, I'm going to say Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Joe Ingles, and Brooke. I'm not upset at that. There's not a wrong answer here. This I, the same. I I just love when they have the option to use Chris Middleton at shooting guard. I feel like it gives the Bucks such a length advantage mm-hmm. without giving anything up the other direction. Well, then you're adding six nine as well with Ingles. I mean, that's just right. That monster. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's huge. Defense. Um, is there a specific team you had in mind? Um, because I think it question. changes my answer. Let's just say that we're let's say we are playing the Suns and KD is healthy and we're playing them in the finals. So we're looking for a defensive matchup against Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, uh, DeAndre Ayton, and whoever the hell you want. Could be Payne, could be Terrence Ross. They don't really have let's let's do Terrence Ross. Okay. I'm gonna say at that point. This might – this is so tough because I love Brooke Lopez and he's such a fantastic defender. But if we're in a situation where the Bucks are up, say, 101-99, mm-hmm. I'm going to take Brooke Lopez off the floor. Okay. And I'm going to go Drew Holiday, Jay Crowder, Giannis, Wesley Matthews, Ooh. And uh, probably still Chris Middleton. So okay. I'm going to go Drew, Wes, Chris, Crowder, Giannis. 
Okay. Now I'm going to tell you the reason. And my last one is I talked about, I got in an argument with somebody talking about why the Bucks are the deepest team in the league. And I said, because this is one of the first years that I can remember. And because it was a problem last year, three pointers were a problem because we couldn't switch on defense. And the right. reason that's why I, I, I said broke off. I knew it. I knew it. And I, I set you up for this because I knew you were going to talk about this because I was like, oh, he's smart. He's going to answer exactly how I want. Again, we didn't plan this. He didn't even know I was going to ask questions. Okay. Well, it took me I five knew, minutes to think of my answer. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that because we were you wanted to be able to switch. One through five. And 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 have yeah, and having Crowder, um, having you know, Chris be able to switch, that just allows to defend the three-point line so much easier. And I just want to say that the Bucs are definitely the deepest team in the league because of their ability to put Giannis at center. Giannis at center is a fucking problem. <laughs> it's a cheat code. That, that is a problem, okay? He could play make. He could be a point center at that point. He's still dunking on your center. It doesn't matter. And then he's surrounded by people that could switch on defense. This and here's home. the thing. With that five-man lineup, and, and Bob brought up Bobby Portis, and I'm, I'm fine with having Bobby in, say say Brooke Lopez is fouled out. Like, I'm totally fine with an offensive lineup that has has Bobby Portis in his place. Um, I'm just riding with Brooke Lopez, who's got a career-high three-point percentage going this season, and Bobby Portis wow. is struggling from three. And it's not a knock on Bobby Portis. We saw it happen during the Brooklyn series that Bobby Portis just wasn't quite as vocal in the rotation. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's not a slight at Bobby Portis to not pick him in that situation, but <clears throat> my defensive lineup where I say Drew, Wes, Chris, Jay, Giannis. The thing is, if the Bucks get a stop and don't have any timeouts, say the game's tied at a hundred, and you get a stop with those five on the floor, Giannis can still drive and kick to any one of those four and have you confident that you're going to hit a three to win the game. And you still have a hundred, you know, pick and roll options. I mean, you, you you can run a number of plays, honestly. You can have Jay Crowder cutting back door, uh, which Brooke Lopez found him for a really nice pass last yep. night, nice drop-down pass last night. So, I mean, there's just the, – the lineups that they can run is just insanity. That gives you – dude, the lineup that I gave you, that gives you four dogs and a closer. <laughs> two closers. I say two closers. I think Giannis is a closer now. We saw that during the finals, yeah. but I'll be honest. I think Giannis is a dog more often than he's a closer. I'll say that. Okay, I could agree to that. Look, look, look at this. Look at this debate we're having. Is he more dog or more closer? Like that's how good he is. Like, like what the hell? <laughs> Anyways, the Bucks are good. I just wanted to uh, to see your guys' answers. I like it. Um, Bill yeah, said the dude. East is stronger, even with KD in the West. This year's champions will be an East team. This year's champion will be Boston or Milwaukee. This year's champion will be Milwaukee. Yeah. That's how I feel. If the if the if the Bucks don't win this title, I will I, I honestly I've never felt more sure about a team winning the title. Uh, one of my teams. I've never felt more confident. I felt pretty confident in 2021 and I did correctly pick Bucks over Suns in 6. You did. But you know, during that it's like all right, they got to get past Miami, they got to get past, you know, Philly, they got Brooklyn, yeah, Brooklyn was the big one, and that was Brooklyn was the one, and now now it's Boston. So it's like, yeah. if they can get past Boston, which I think they will, I think they're better. Um, we're definitely if Boston, if Boston ends up with a three seed or a two seed, and Philly ends up in the three seed. 
and Boston has to play a six or seven game series against Philadelphia and then come and play Milwaukee, like the Bucs aren't losing. That's going to be a fight. And the Knicks are still the five, correct? I think. Or are they the four now? I think they are. They're five because it's Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, New York, Brooklyn. So we're getting (laughs) the young Cavaliers who, as talented as they are, they have a great backcourt. Mobley is not ready for playoff Giannis. Right. Jared Allen is was never born to be ready for playoff. <laughs> he's a good player, good young player, but I mean he's not young anymore. He's, what he's I would say is that player. in that series, Cleveland could probably steal a game, maybe push it to six. Well, I feel yeah. like the Bucks in Cleveland would be how the Bucks Atlanta Eastern Conference Finals was. I can see that. Well, I was gonna say we're either getting a young and experienced team or an overachieving Knicks team. In the second round, if we get to the, the Knicks, the Knicks will not be able to handle the Bucks. No, I don't think any way, shape, or form the defense that is just too good. Um, Bill, either I'm either gonna... way, I've I've never like cared about seeding the last couple of years, yeah. but this year I care. I want us yeah. to be the ones. You've been pretty consistent on that. The 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 path is, is much much easier. Bill said the ideal situation would be have someone take Boston out for us. I still think we're strong and deep enough to win it. Bill, I'm going to be honest with you. I want a Bucks Celtics Eastern Conference Finals, and I want to wipe the floor with them. Hell yeah! I I'm want not running I, shit. I don't want to be in a scenario where the Bucks win a title and they're like, "Oh, well, you didn't have to beat Boston." I don't. I don't want that hanging over the head. I don't either. I want to beat Boston on the way to a title. Me I really too. do. And I feel the same way when. The Bucks didn't didn't try to skip over the Heat in their championship year. It's like, bring Not it, true. bring it. That's the mentality you have to have. I want the goddamn smoke, Bill. It, that's absolutely true. It would be a great series, and that's the thing where, if it if and when it happens, Jake and I will preface the the preview of that of that series by saying that aside from our fandom, like it's going to be a great series of basketball. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be annoying at the same time. It'll be stressful for sure. I hate Marcus Smart. He's becoming my least favorite player, especially after I saw that shitty pulled against the Rockets the other day. Did you see that? I don't watch Celtics games or pay attention to them. Well, I saw it, it was there was a free throw, and I forgot it was at the line for the Celtics, but somebody missed, and Marcus Smart pulled this guy and then put his hands like this and fell to the ground, and they called a foul on the Rockets player. I was like. Are you kidding me? How does yeah, he get away with this shit? It annoys me more that the Celtics are floppy. Like, you don't have to. It takes away from their talent, man. <laughs> it, it, re- it really does. And it makes me lose respect for a great team is what yeah. it does. Yeah. They are good. Like, there's there's no way around it. I just – I think the Bucks are the best. All right. So, I'm going to speak for Jake. I'm going to predict a 2-0 week for the Bucks. Yep. You can speak. Um, hopefully, the Badgers win again on Sunday. And I'd love to see him win the NIT and give the people what they want. Give us Wisconsin-Michigan version three. Let's get that tiebreaker out and, and win the scumbag NIT trophy. I want it. I want the scumbag NIT trophy. Dude, if we win, that needs to be a meme. It needs Absolutely. The scumbag NIT winners. Wisconsin scumbags. The scumbag NIT trophy. <laughs> oh. Oh, that was that was fantastic. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> All right, man. All right, you got anything else? Uh, 
Go Bucks, go Badgers. That's all I got. And Brewers all coming right. up soon. Let's get it. And we got a show on Friday. Friday we are kicking uh, off our draft series, so be sure to tune in for that. Uh, we're going to be talking 2020 draft review, wide receivers, and we'll each be um, giving some thoughts on, on the Aaron Rodgers finale as it's winding down. So be sure to tune in for that. Tim, you have a great night as well. We'll see you guys on Friday night. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.